Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Here come the drums! Yes, sir! UT football is back. Not that kind of back, but back in action. Back in action on Saturday, the 6th. Can't believe I'm saying this. The sixth-ranked Longhorns travel into Stillwater to face Oklahoma State. Should be an interesting game. It's going to be very, very interesting to see if Sam Ellinger is healthy and ready to go. I'm excited to be back, but the bye week came at the right time. Got to see if Sam can get his shoulder right. Got to see if the Longhorns can win another game on the road because they've only won one. We don't know if they're able to do that. Before we get into the show, and I'm excited about this one. i got to tell you guys, I'm very, very excited about this because we got two guests on today, one of which who has already joined us before, Rod Babers, former UT cornerback, former NFL cornerback, one of my buddies. He's going to join us during the bye week. He's at Alcatraz, actually. He's a little bit buzzed. Uh, you'll hear that. Uh, we'll talk to him about what he expects moving forward and if he's surprised by where they are right now heading into this game. And we're also going to be joined by royalty. And I am not overselling this. One of my favorite people in the program right now UT Athletic Director Chris Del Conte is going to join the show. And I go way back with CDC because I used to do a show in Dallas-Fort Worth. I used to work on a show called Galloway & Company uh, at the ESPN affiliate. And Chris, at that time, he was the athletic director at TCU. He was extremely outspoken. He, he saw them go from a team outside of the Power Five conferences into the Big 12. His work has always been admired from far, but I appreciate it even more now because it's impacting the program that I root for. And the game day atmosphere at the 40 Acres, let me tell you, I've been going to games for three decades. It's never been better. And I'm going to ask him about that project as well as an interesting lifestyle that his three kids uh, have taken on. And I, I don't know where he went wrong, but... I'm going to ask him about that because it's it's interesting to say the very least. I wouldn't wish it on anyone, but I guess it's just one of those things that Mr. Del Conte has to has to deal with. If you haven't done it already, you need to subscribe to this podcast on iTunes. Go to iTunes, 41 Acres with Landry and Day Day. Subscribe. Give us a rating. Tell your friends, too. Even if they don't like UT football, we will give you the best pulse of what the what's going on at the UT football program. We'll also have some great guests. You just heard who's joining the show today. Before I, before I get into the four burning questions heading into the final stretch of the season, let me just go ahead and shout out everyone who's been on the 41 Acres because you guys add credibility to this show. You guys add insight to this show. And it's it's been an honor, just just the guests we've had in a short amount of time. So let me shout out Rod Babers, who's going to join us for the second time. Ramont's Taylor, one of the most exciting players that I've ever watched. One of the most interesting stories, really, uh, in in the recent history of the program. Now uh, educating kids and trying to make them basically not make the same mistakes he's made. Uh, Vince Young, do I even need to really elaborate on that? Vince Young's been on the 41 Acres. Eric Metcalf. 
one of the best athletes to ever play Texas football. Uh, Brian Jones, one of my favorite voices in college football, passionate Longhorn, as you all know. Clarence E. Hill, another passionate Longhorn, covers the Cowboys for the Fort Worth Star-Telegram. Uh, Aria Bastami, the viral sensation, just put out another NBA freestyle video. Hot fire, as the kids say, or I don't even know if they say that. I'm getting old, so I guess I would have to ask him. And NFL legend and Hall of Famer John McClain, who works for the uh, Houston Chronicle. It's been some great guests. We, we expect even more guests moving forward. Trying to get a hold of my man Brian Robison uh, to to hop onto the show. Going to try to get him on next week. So we'll see we'll see if that happens. But again, just subscribe on iTunes, spread the word because it's it's been a real joy. Again, Derek will return on Sunday uh, when episode ten drops after the Oklahoma State game. Before we hear from Rod Babers, let's answer the four burning questions UT faces for the final five-plus games for the remainder of the season. Question number one, this is an easy one. How healthy is Sam Ellinger? Tom Herman met with the media earlier this week, and this is what he had to say about the status of Sam Ellinger. I think for us, it's going to also be the naked eye. You know, What does his motion look like? Does it look like he's babying throws? Does it look like... He's altering uh, the way that he's used to throwing, uh, but we will have you know the different kinds of things that, that give us some some raw data on you know where he's at. But does it hurt him too much to be effective? And is in order to not get it to hurt, is he changing the way that he throws to the detriment of? of the offense. This is a predicament for the UT staff, the athletic uh, the, the training staff and the coaches because if Ellinger's not 100%, you don't want to put him out there for one game and that injury linger for the final four. So, when we're talking about a shoulder, this is not something to grind out, especially for a quarterback and especially for a quarterback who plays the way Sam does, as physical as he is. This is a situation where you got to err on the side of caution and if if you have to give the ball to Shane Bouchelle and maybe let Keontae Ingram take you home, which is another question that we're going to answer in just a second, then you got to do that because you can't let putting him out there for one game impact the rest of your season. You need him, and if three weeks of rest is what he needs for that shoulder, then Shane has already shown you that he can win a game, and that's just what you're going to have to do. And maybe Keontae Ingram, who got 19 carries against Baylor, maybe Keontae Ingram takes you home. Question number two, who poses the biggest challenge for this team? And this is where I'm going to sound like a cliche coach, and I'm going to give you some coaches speak. The team that poses the biggest challenge for the Texas Longhorns is the next opponent. And I'm not trying to cop out, but that's truly how I feel. I think outside of Kansas, all the other opponents that UT faces for the remainder of the season – they're all going to – these games are not going to be easy. And Oklahoma State, not a, an easy place to play. Uh, last year they beat Texas. Obviously it was a much different team, but it's probably the, the most heartbreaking loss of last year, Sam Ellinger throwing the interception in the end zone. Oklahoma State is going to be a tough place to play. You're going to get their maximum effort, and that's why I think they pose the biggest challenge. Texas can't look past anybody for the remainder of for the remainder of this season. Oklahoma State poses the biggest challenge, and Tom Herman apparently agrees with me because this is what he had to say about the challenges facing Texas as they head into Stillwater on Saturday. There's never, never been a championship team that's gone over on the road. It doesn't exist. Uh, so you got to win games on the road. And you got to do it very consistently. It doesn't mean we change how we prepare. It just means that you know we understand that you're going to get your opponent's best shot because they're playing at home, uh, and uh, you got to you know, dial up your intensity and focus level in the week's preparation just a little bit more. 
it's going to be interesting. It's also going to be interesting to see what happens with the betting line, especially if you know Sam does play. But this is going to be a grind. It's going to be under the lights. I know they're going to be excited out there in Oklahoma State, even though it takes a lot more to get drunk because, uh, you know, they got that half half beer or whatever the hell it is, that water, that that nasty water that they got out there. So if you are going out there and you're from Texas, get your beer before you cross the Oklahoma border because their beer is very, very soft. So stock up before you go there. That's my tip for the day. Question number three. We just touched on it. Will Keontae Ingram carry this team home? A lot of people have been saying that he needs more carries. He's averaging six over six yards a carry, 66 carries, 403 yards. Just saw him rush for 100 yards against Baylor. Keontae Ingram is a guy who needed this bye week as well because you could tell he was a little bit hobbled. I think Tom Herman, he's hinted that they've been a little bit cautious with his workload because they want him down the stretch. Keontae Ingram is a guy that I think you need to watch out for him on Saturday at Oklahoma State because this could be his breakout game. This could be where we point to this guy and say, this guy's going to be the next great running back at the University of Texas. His running style reminds me a little bit of Jamal Charles. Uh, he's not as explosive, but he appears to have the vision. He appears to have the decisiveness, and he kind of carries the ball like Jamal as well. So Keontae Ingram, how much is he going to carry this team uh, for the remainder of the season? Tom Herman answered that question earlier this week when he met with the media. Uh, we're, we're definitely cognizant of the, the long-term effect uh, throughout the season, uh, and we're going to use them as much as we need to to win the game. You know, if, if we got to hand them the ball 22 times to win, then we'll hand it to them 22 times. But, you know, you, you'll see, I think, a, a very measured approach to, to his workload, you know, throughout the season because uh, we're going to need him uh, in the postseason too. And, and so, and then I think you'll see the, the big jump from a physical development, you know, once Yancey gets his hands on him for nine months. I'm expecting big things for 2-6 down the stretch. Uh, it's going to be very, very fun to watch this kid mature. And the most impressive thing about him is he gave himself an F uh, for how he's been so far this season, despite the fact he's averaging six yards a carry. So big expectations for for, for him from the fan base and, and, and from the coaches, but seems like he expects even more from himself. And those are the kind of guys you want taking you home as you potentially try to get into the college football playoff, which brings us to question number four. Does Texas have a chance? at the college football playoff. They're currently sixth in the rankings. You know I hate this stuff. I cannot stand when we ask these questions just because at the end of the day you got to win all your games. But after we talk to Rod Babers, I'm going to lay out Texas's path for the college football playoff, and we'll talk about what teams they need to lose, what teams they need to be watching uh, as they continue that. And we're also going to hear from Tom Herman, who's going to discuss if he looks at the rankings and how much they matter. I think you can probably guess what he said, but we'll hear that anyways. Joining me now, he joined the show to preview the season uh, earlier this year. Uh, he's going to join us to preview the final five games. My man Rod Babers joins the show, former UT cornerback, couldn't catch a damn thing, uh, former NFL cornerback as well, although he did get that pick six on the uh, the fake punt or field goal against Colorado at the Big 12 championship game. Probably one of the most exciting moments of uh, my time as a UT football fan. But Rod Babers joins the show. Rod, spoke to you before the season. I've spoke with you throughout, but the last time you were on this show, we talked about this Texas team. Both of us had pretty high expectations for him, but how surprised are you that I'm sitting here talking to you seven weeks or seven games into the season and Texas is 6-1, and one, a top-ten team in the country? I don't think either one of us saw this coming. 
Uh, I got to tell you, man, I don't think it looks like anybody thought it would, it would look. I mean, I thought I was optimistic when I had the Longhorns at, I think I had them five and two preseason predictions before, you know, the, I think before the season started. And I think I was being kind to them. Uh, I did not think they'd be six and one at this point and on a six game winning streak. I think the way they've done it has been really, I think, to a credit to not only Sam Ellinger and his growth. I'll give you a stat about Sam Ellinger. Not only is he. Oh, I love going, Rod's stats. You already know that. You know, you know, not only he has to he has a record now for pass attempts without an interception, but during that that six game win streak, uh, they went three games without a turnover as a team. Uh, the reason that is so significant, I went back, dude. I went back as far as I could go on TexasSports.com because I couldn't remember on my in my playing days having three straight games without a turnover on offense. Turns out I was right. Going all the way back to 1950, as far as the records for Texas sports have gone ever, Texas has never gone three straight games without a turnover on offense. It was actually the first time in documented history that ever happened. So I think that's a big part. They're taking care of the football, and I know Sam's dealing with an injury now, and actually they say he's ahead of schedule, so that's a good thing. But the key for them right now has been taking care of the football. They're being more responsible with the football, and he's taking ownership of this offense. It's going to look a lot different if Shane Bouchot has to run the show, but Sam Ellinger's growth is the biggest reason for the success of this team right now. And and Tom Herman says, he says that his two the two things he wants from his team is he wants to not turn the ball over, and he wants effort it, it seems like his identity and what he actually says is is all over this team a, a lot of times like you know a, a team will play good and you'll say that's the coach that's the coach but tom herman actually says what he wants and then stuff like what you just said is happening it seems like his message is getting through to these kids sooner than we yeah. thought it would yeah, I'm not gonna lie to you, and I, you know, I'm a big Tom Herman fan. I had no idea that they would, but the buy-in would be this significant and this quick. And, and I think Brandon Hager is a big, you know, I think he's a great example of it. I think he's a, probably the best example of it. Um, he. He didn't buy in at first. He now admits that he didn't buy into Tom Herman. Tom Herman and him didn't talk for a long time. When Tom Herman first got there, uh, Brecken Hager has admitted he wanted to quit and actually wanted to transfer and leave. Uh, but, you know, Coach Orlando convinced him otherwise. And then when it's all said and done, now Brecken Hager is a leader on that team. And he's also the guy that calls himself the prophet. He predicted they'd win the Big 12, and nobody saw that coming. That's the reason he's growing the hair out. He said he's going to cut the hair as soon as they win the Big 12. He's going to let Sam Mellinger do it uh, on the, you know, on the trophy. Stand when they're celebrating, uh, and nobody believed that, but actually it may turn out to be the case. So yeah, I think that's the reason, man. It's the buy-in, and you're seeing it. You can actually uh, there are clear examples of, of, of all these players buying in. Sam Bellinger, uh, Colin Johnson, and the best thing about it, man. Right now, the best players on the team, arguably, are the young players. The kids, the I mean, puppies. Right? The babies, man. Caden Stern is maybe the best player in your secondary. He's a true freshman. Keontae Ingram is your best running back. He's a true freshman. BJ's showing um, flashes. BJ's showing flashes. Yeah. yeah, BJ Foster showing flashes. I mean, you go look at that. Hell, I mean, go look at uh, your, 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 your kicker who's making some big kicks. Dicker the kicker, also a true freshman. So a lot of you guys who are playing pivotal roles on this team, they're true freshmen. So it's only going to get better and better for those guys. They're only going to uh, increase in terms of their leadership uh, in terms of their influence on this team. I feel like, you know, a lot of people are already talking about the college football playoff and everything. I, I try to I try to tap the brakes on that just because I think they need to win all their games first and they got a few challenges in front of them. But I think what's stopping them from being a for sure legitimate 100% college football playoff contender is an elite front four. I just don't feel like they have the guys inside the trenches on the defensive side of the ball to quite be where they want to be. 
Oh, okay. Well, I, Charles Amenahu would beg to disagree with you. But he's, he playing he's playing good. He's I, playing good. I think your boy good. Hager's been really bad, Rod. I, I'm, I'm watching. Like, I, I feel like your boy Hager. Maybe there's something more to it, but I feel like he's been pretty bad. And I, I also think that the last couple of weeks they've been minimizing how much they have him out there, and maybe they're they're trying to save him for pass rush situation. But I feel like he's been pretty bad. No, they. You're not wrong. Um, and about the Hager thing, we can I can get into that. But in terms of the young guys, look at the younger defensive line that are playing. The defensive lineman is Taquan Graham now getting a lot of reps. Gerald Wilbunt getting a lot of reps. Uh, so Bimage is also getting a lot of reps. And those guys are actually playing really well. So yeah, I think maybe it's that he's maybe Brecken Hager is playing less, but it's only because they're splitting some of those reps now and they're deeper on the defensive line. Than they've been a long time. But let's start with Charles Dimenehu. He's got six sacks, man. He's got. I think the Longhorns only have 12 sacks. Half the sacks that they have are for Charles Amenahu. And I want to say four to six sacks on third and fourth down. And I talked to uh, Charles Amenahu about this. It turns out Charles Amenahu, he's not being weaponized by Todd Orlando in passing down situations. What he's doing, he's watching more film. And he says now he knows his opponent better. He knows that the swim move's not going to work on this tackle, but I can go with the rip. You know what I mean? I can go with the rip move. His, right. his, his repertoire is starting to expand as a pass rusher. I think that's what's helping him the most. And that's why NFL scouts, man, they're salivating on this guy. He's 6'6", and he may end up with double-digit sacks Big by the dude. end of the year. Yeah, man. He's, a, he, he's legit. He's going to be an NFL And, I mean, player. they're going to need him. They're going to need him these next five games because these are all air raid offenses for the most part that, that you're about to face. So this is you're going to have to pressure the quarterback. This is, this is, this is his time to stack up some more sacks. Yeah, no doubt. And I think actually, uh, you know, he's gonna, I think he's gonna end up with double digit sacks at one point. I, I really do. I, there are, they got too many teams that are gonna throw the football all over the yard. We just saw West Virginia, uh, with, with Will Greer. I think he was sacked like six or seven times. So there's gonna be opportunities for him. But Brecken Hager, I'll say this. I think even Todd Orlando is a little under, I don't say underwhelmed is the best way to put it. I don't think it's disappointment that Brecken Hager hasn't been a bigger impact player. He said before the season started he was going to be a matchup nightmare for teams because he was such a hybrid player. That's not really the case. He has not been a matchup nightmare for teams at all. So I think at, at this point they're using that, 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 that younger D lineman to try to mitigate some of the uh, uh, some of the damage that is done by you know him being at times out of position and being at times overpowered. Yeah, it it it's definitely happened. I was going to ask you this because uh, as we as we head into the the I don't want to say the second half of the season, but the the season after the bye week, you got Oklahoma State, and you're going to have best case scenario, you're going to have Sam out there with a. I mean, coming off a shoulder injury, regardless of, of where he's at, and you might even have Shane Bouchelle out there. You think this is the game where, when we look at the bye week and we look at the rest, this could be the game where Keontae Ingram maybe takes him home against Oklahoma State? He's coming off the 100-yard game. Uh, people have been crying more and more for Ingram, although the fact he's been beat up. Maybe him getting healthy, this could be the moment where you know your quarterback's not 100% healthy or he's not on the field at all. This is where we see that freshman coming off the bye week, two weeks to rest, maybe taking the team home and grinding out a win in Stillwater. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. I, I, I'm with you, and I said the same thing. I know he got 19 rushes, I believe, in that Baylor game, uh, but he didn't get the ball, I think, until uh, after the first quarter. Yeah, I was wondering if he game. was hurt. I was wondering if he was going to play. <laughs> I know. It did. And think about this. He basically played a quarter, um, probably two and a half quarters, and ended up getting 110 yards in that game. And then gave so, himself man, an F for the season. He He gave himself an F. 
Yeah, he got, he's got high standards for himself. And listen, we all know he's special. There's no doubt about it. They, in this game particularly, Shane Michelle plays. He needs more infrastructure around him. You need more weapons around him. I think Keontae Ingram is definitely going to get at least 20 carries in this game. And they'll find other ways to supplement the running game. they got to put in, you know, Lil Jordan Humphrey and the Wildcats. Uh, you may see them unleash Daniel Young a little bit for the short yardage situation. If you don't have Sam, he's your best short yardage runner. Uh, he's the guy that pounded in between the tackles. You don't have Bam Bam Sam. you got to bring in Daniel Young. To, to compensate for that loss. And, it, and this is something else to watch with Shane Bouchelle in there, if Shane Bouchelle ends up being the guy. Shane Bouchelle and Colin Johnson are BFFs, man. They're, 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 they're bosom buddies. They love each other. I think they, they room together on the road. They may have even been roommates in uh, other times as well. But they've admitted they're really close, and that chemistry between them, I, honestly, it's undeniable on the field. Uh, in that game versus Baylor, I think, I think Colin Johnson had, I mean, Colin Johnson had 10 of the 20 completions for Shane Bouchelle in that game. And if you look at it, and Colin Johnson's been an absolute first down machine in Big 12 plays. Another great Dude, he's extended the chains, man, like crazy. (laughs) Give me, give me that stat. You'll love the stat, bro. You'll love the stat. So in, uh, in Big 12 play, Colin Johnson has been thrown to, all right, on third no, 15, 15 third down conversion attempts, right? They've thrown okay. to them. They've converted 12 of the 15 okay. third down pass attempts. They've uh, thrown to Colin Johnson or targeted Colin Johnson. That's 80%, bro. 80% of the time they target him on third down in the Big 12 play. He's converting that. That is amazing. And, 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 then they, and when they throw it to anybody else or even give the ball to anybody else on third down in the Big 12 play, they're only converting 39% of them. You know what I mean? That's insane. So he, he's moving the chains, bro. He and, is the guy you go to, and he's the guy that Shane's going to go to when Shane's in trouble. And what's really crazy about it is at least four of those 12 completions, I know for a fact, have been where it's been all yak, yak and grit. It hadn't been, you know, he catches it behind the chains. There's been a couple plays where it's TCU, uh, saw it against USC as well, saw it against Oklahoma even when they were trying to kill the clock. It's been yak. Like, it's, it's not just Colin Johnson yeah. just getting past the line of scrimmage and catching it. Actually, 28% of all of his receiving yards, I believe, are yak yards, yards after the catch. So what it, what it, what it boils down to is if you want to play bump and run on him and get physical, then he can just go right around you and they can throw the fade to him because he's 6'6 and he has that advantage. If you want to play off him and let him get the slant or the hitch route and come up and try to tackle him, he's deboing boys. He's punking boys off the line of scrimmage, breaking tackles and getting yards after the catch. So I'm with you, man. Right now, he's the most unguardable wide receiver, arguably, in the Big 12 because there's really no way to defend him one-on-one at all, unless you're just an elite cornerback. That's my bike, punk. Uh, <laughs> Rod, I know, I know uh, speaking of Debo, I think Debo went to jail on one of the six Fridays. They just ruined Friday. I, I, I don't care what anyone says. Friday one is the only one they should have ever made. The rest of them, just, I, I just can't do with it. Yeah. Hey, this is a, this is a tech, man. They ruined it, man. They, they diminished really? it. They diminished it. I think part two, I think uh, Friday was it next Friday. Next Friday was good. Then they got to Friday after next and all that. Then that's too, that's too far. Yeah, they but took it too Friday far. Next Friday was pretty good. But I, I, I know the bye week, we can hear a little bit of noise. You're, uh, you're, you're, you're spending the, uh, the bye week at an interesting spot. Yeah, I mean, I'm hanging out. My girlfriend's birthday is today. So we're at, uh, we're in San Fran. I'm trying to visit my man Shanahan too. So I'm okay. trying to visit him today. Hey, y'all need to, to y'all need to sh- uh, take a picture with the tattoos. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know what? We might have to do that, man. We have to blow up the way up and do that. But I'm trying to hang out with him, man. Come see the family. I'm gonna come. Uh, I'm gonna go to the 49ers game. I'm going to Alcatraz right now. 
um, and just hang out. My girlfriend's birthday, man, it's a beautiful thing. It's uh, I'm in San Fran. I'm hanging out, having you know brunch on the pier, and weed is Bud legal. Light. And oh yeah, is weed good. is legal. Okay, weed is legal. Bro. I already knew yeah. that. <laughs> I, I already knew of course that. you did. It's legal. In, it's legal in <laughs> Vegas too, uh, from what I hear. Uh, hey, would you no be doubt from would, what you hear? <laughs> from what I hear, would you have your feelings hurt if uh, if you went to if if you and Shanahan saw each other and he had covered up y'all's tattoo? Uh, yes, I would. He knows I would, too. We, the, the entire wood would take it personal. We would be offended, and we'd be forced to have an intervention at that point. No doubt. You cannot cover up the tat, man. You can't get rid of it. You can't cover it up. It's for life. Do That's you, why we got him. Do you think Texas <laughs> runs the table? Do you, do you think Texas wins all the rest? Uh, let's just say regular season, because I think predicting a win over uh, over Oklahoma in a rematch is outlandish right now, because we don't know what they're going to look like with the new D coordinator and everything. We don't know what Texas is going to look like. Like I'm not going to predict that, but do you think they run the table in the regular season? I do believe they run the table. West Virginia will be the big – actually, I take that back, and I know it's getting a little loud here. People get in a crowded area. No, you're good. Uh, uh, West Virginia, I thought, would be the biggest threat. I'm going to take that back and say, man, Iowa State right now may be the biggest They're threat. Well coached, the They're well coached, man. They're well coached. They're well coached. They also, not only are they well coached, but, you know, they, they have a great defense. Man, John Heacock may be one of the best defensive coordinators in the country. And Br- Purdy. Was it Brock Purdy is his name? Man, yeah, yeah. Come on now. Dude, they, they might have found another quarterback. So uh, that may, to me, that's the challenge. And they play a physical style of football. I think Texas can beat West Virginia because Toronto Orlando has a really good uh, game plan and a really good resume versus pocket passing, traditional, even elite quarterbacks like Baker Mayfield and Sam Darnold. I worry about him versus Purdy because there's not a lot of film on Purdy, man. There's not a lot of film. There like, you can only, you can, there's only so much you can, you know, game plan against a guy that's only got three or four games of film. So Purdy worries me. I know that sounds weird, but Purdy worries me. I'm worried about tech, man. I mean, I, I hate, I hate the whole, the whole scene. Hey. I'm worried about tech. Well, you know what? Now they got a defense. You know what I mean? Now there's a reason to worry about it. We always knew Cliffy could uh, put out a great offensive product. I mean, no matter who's quarterback and Jet or whoever they put out there. But now they got a defense to go with that. I agree. And now they got to go to Tech, and that could be a night game. Man, crazy things happen at night in Texas Tech. Trust me, I remember in 02. I was, we I was there. I was very well aware, man. bro. And went, and went down to Cliffy, to Cliffy and went. Yeah, I remember Oakland, that. Bro. I remember that because <laughs> Chris tried to complete to uh, BJ in the final, and then there was an interception. I was, I was watching that game. I was all over that game. Chris yeah, actually man. had some good stats in that game, though. I will give him that. Hey, the, no, no, the defense lost that game. That was one of the few times that our defense, which was a top-10 defense, we lost that game. Sims and they, the offense carried us that game, man. They just couldn't win a shootout versus that air raid. It's hard to win shootouts versus that air raid. And that's why Texas, Texas ain't trying to win shootouts with the air raid, man. They're playing defense. They're running the ball. They're taking care of the ball. That's a winning formula. Yeah, absolutely. I'll, I'll let you, I'll let you get out of here, Rod. Uh, I want to, I want to ask you one more thing before I, uh, before, oh, no before, before I roll out. Cause I know, I know you're out at Alcatraz. You got to go see your boy, your boy Kyle Shanahan. This has been a, a debate that we've had. Do you think Colin Johnson is a, is, is gone after this year? Or do you think he needs another year? Cause I think he needs no, another yeah. year. And I'm not just hating. I think he needs, I think he needs one more year, but a lot of people are acting like he's going to go early. I just don't. I just don't see him. I, I just don't see that as something he should do. Uh, even before the season started, I saw multiple drafts, multiple uh, you know 2009 mock, 2019 mock drafts that had him as a first round pick. I would say four out of the six mock drafts that I looked at randomly had him as a first round pick. I brought it up on my show, 
So that's a good. If he's that, that he then leads. go. If he's that, then go. But I just, I just don't think he's going to be that. Man, he's sick, sick, and he's impressive, man. It's like I gave you the stats right now. He is, he's deboing, he's deboing DBs, and that's what they want to see. But I agree with you. I think he could use one more season because this is this is just one lead. Last year, he couldn't even solidify a certain spot. Remember that? Like he he couldn't even. Yeah, he was benched a lot. He was benched a lot last year because they didn't like his practice. I've heard Foreman bitch about that plenty of times. I trust me, I've, exactly. I've heard it many a times. You know what I mean? So I, I'm with you. I tend to agree with you, but if he if he goes if he stays on this type of pace. Bro, he might have to go. We'll have I mean, to honestly, if we'll he stays on this pace, he'll easily be a thousand yard receiver, and he could end up being the best receiver in the Big Twelve. Think about the crop of receivers in the Big Twelve right now. It's probably as good as it's been since two thousand eight, when you had Dez Bryant and uh, Crabtree. Yeah, Crabtree, Shipley, Shipley and Quan Cosby. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah that's I mean, good. That's I think good right now it's a good. Yeah, no doubt. Always great to hear from you. Enjoy everything that San Francisco has to offer. I'll let you get back to it, man. I appreciate you uh, for hopping on. Always a pleasure, and uh, enjoy yourself, man. Hey, thanks, brother. Anytime. You know that. It's former UT cornerback Rod Babers. He's the best, man. I absolutely love him. You can see what he did for his bye week. He decided to go with his girlfriend to Alcatraz, consume mimosas, and maybe some legal marihuchie. High-grade marijuana called Kush on the street which is legal, so I, I guess that's all right for Rod. Before we hear from Chris Del Conte, i, I got to remind you guys, subscribe to the 41 Acres on iTunes. When you do that, what happens is they give you a notification when it comes out. So you'll know immediately when the big-name guests are going to hop on and when the number one Texas football podcast is going to be out. So subscribe to the 41 Acres on iTunes. Go ahead and spread the word. We appreciate you for listening. Appreciate you for joining us. We're going to hear from Chris Del Conte in a minute. But first, before we do that, I'm going to do something that I absolutely hate doing, but the situation calls for it. Your University of Texas Longhorn football team right now is number six in the country, and college football playoff hopes are alive. We're, we're, we're about halfway through the season, but regardless, college football playoff hopes are alive in Austin for the first time in a long time, for the first time in almost 10 years. So when that's the case, Regardless of how much football there is left to be played, we got to go through the scenarios and what UT football fans should be hoping for and rooting for in regards to the college football playoffs. So I'm going to go through that before we, we talk to Mr. Del Conte, and I'm going to do it over a beat from my man Figgy Fig, who you can hear on In the Loop on Sports Radio 610 uh, with me, Fred Davis, and John Lopez. My man Figgy Fig has a little trap beat. I'm going to maximize that trap beat, and I'm going to lay out UT's college football playoff scenario uh, over a Figgy Fig beat. Here we go. All right, I hate doing this, but it needs to be done. Texas is sixth in the nation right now. And, and the, re- the reality of the situation is we can go through scenarios as much as we want, but the bottom line is if Texas wins their next five games and they win the Big 12 championship, especially against an Oklahoma team that's going to be top ten at that time, assuming they win all their games, then Texas is going to be in the college football playoff. Period, point blank. That's what's going to happen. I know a lot of people look at this, the standings right now and they say, well, there's four unbeaten teams. In the entire four-year history of the college football playoff, only three teams have been unbeaten heading into the playoff. None of those teams won the playoff. So 13 of 16 have taken an L. And the teams in front of them, it, it's, it, it, it's more likely that a, a few of them have, a, a few of them, maybe a couple of them lose than it is that they run the table. It's not going to happen. 
But if you're a Texas fan, this is what you need to happen. This is who you need to be rooting for, and this is who you need to be rooting against. The two teams that you need to be rooting for for the remainder of the season, you need to be rooting for Alabama, and you need to be rooting for Oklahoma. And I know this is difficult for Texas fans to do, but you don't want two SEC teams getting into the college football playoff. And if Alabama loses, and let's say they have one loss at the end of the season, I think that they will, and I think they would deserve to get into the college football playoff. Because we know know that Alabama's the best team in the country. One of those losses would likely be to a damn good team, whether it's LSU uh, in a couple weeks or Georgia in the college football playoff. Those will be very forgivable losses, especially just how based on how dominant Alabama is. So you don't want two SEC teams getting in there. Right now, Georgia, Florida, and LSU, they control their own destiny. And if they went out and they win the SEC... They're going to be in the college football playoff. You don't want that to happen. I know everybody hates Alabama. Everybody would love them to lose. But if you're a Longhorn fan, you need to be an Alabama fan, and you need them to win out because a one-loss Alabama would probably get the nod over you. Second team you need to be rooting for, and this is really going to make a lot of Longhorn fans sick, you got to be rooting for Oklahoma because Oklahoma is a team that you would like to face in the Big 12 championship, assuming Texas wins their next five games. And let me just make this real clear. I don't think Texas is college football playoff good just yet. I don't think they're there yet. I think they're a little bit ahead of schedule. I think there's a strong possibility they could could lose one, maybe two games for the remainder of the season. But this is all under the assumption that they do win the next five and win the Big 12 championship. They control their own destiny right now. And that's all you can ask for in this situation. We've heard Tom Herman ask about it, but they control their own destiny. Oklahoma is a team you should be rooting for because – if the committee's last look at you before they put teams into the college football playoff is you beating a top 10 Oklahoma team, a damn good football team, uh, in, in for the second time this season, they're going to look at that, they're going to take note, and they're going to put you in. So Texas wins all the games they're in. These are the teams you need to be rooting against if you're Texas. You need to be rooting against Clemson, who is undefeated. If they run the table, they're going to be in the college football playoff, despite the fact they wet the bed last year and lost 24-6 to when the committee put him in because they ran the table in a very, very garbage ACC, which might even be more garbage this year than it was last year. I don't even think Clemson should get the nod over a lot of these one-loss teams just because of what the ACC is, but they will get the nod. So you got to be rooting against Clemson, and you got to be rooting against Notre Dame. And Notre Dame is a team that I'm pretty confident is going to lose a game. They're not that good. As a matter of fact, they beat Michigan earlier this year, but they got Michigan at the right time. They got Shea Patter- They got Michigan when Shea Patterson was making his first career start. Shea Patterson right now playing way better. I think if Michigan and Notre Dame played right now, Michigan would beat them. But if they run the table, they're going to get in as well, and I think they deserve it. But they will lose a game. You can go ahead. You can bet me whatever you want to bet me. They will lose a game. At Landry Locker on Twitter, if you want to bet beers or something like that, I've been known to, to vote a few brews or you know a meal or whatever. At Landry Locker, uh, if you don't, if if you do think they're gonna they're gonna run the table, but I think they could lose to Northwestern. I think they could lose to USC. I think they could lose to Syracuse. Uh, Notre Dame is is not a very they're they're not an unbeatable team. Uh, they also got Florida State. Notre Dame could lose uh, one of those four games. So I, I don't see Notre Dame running the table, but if you're a Texas fan, you need to be rooting against them. Those are the two you need to be rooting for and the two you need to be rooting against. But again, if Texas runs the table, and it's a big if, uh, there's, there, there's a lot in front of them, especially if they do get in the Big 12 title game and face a good Oklahoma team for the second time, with likely with a chip on their shoulder. But if Texas does win out, they're going to be in the college football playoff. It doesn't matter what 
what happens. They, they, they there's a there's a ninety five percent chance if they went out there in. And you know, a lot of people are saying, well, there's four unbeaten teams right now in college football uh, that are ahead of Texas. It really doesn't matter because in the entire four year history of the college football playoff, only three teams have been undefeated. Three out of sixteen. So you do the math there. There's there there's a stronger chance that a couple of these teams will lose than there is that all of these teams will run the table. So we know what college football is. We're about halfway through the season. Teams you need to be rooting for Alabama, Oklahoma, teams you need to be rooting against, Notre Dame and Clemson. That's the uh, Texas college football playoff picture. Joining us right now, a guy who I've admired for a long, 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 long time. Uh, I've been following him since he was out at TCU. We used to have him on our show, Galloway and Company, back when I worked on the show with Randy Galloway at ESPN. Chris Conti, he was then the athletic director at TCU. He currently has the same exact position for the University of Texas. I'm a huge admirer of his work. Absolutely love what he has done to the game day atmosphere. Uh, he joined the 41 Acres, and I started out by just telling Mr. Del Conte just how impressed I have been with the impact he has made on the on the on the UT program so early uh, in his tenure as athletic director. Beyond impressed, Mr. Del Conte, with what you've done with the game day atmosphere. I've been going to games in Austin for about three decades, and I got to tell you, but the work you've done is phenomenal. I haven't seen the game day atmosphere better than this. Well, I appreciate that. It's actually a team effort here. Uh at the University of Texas, and just looking at different ways that we can celebrate the university. You know, a football game is a way for us to celebrate our entire university and welcome back 100,000 people six times a year. And it's uh, It's been great to see people uh, enjoying what we're doing and what we're trying to do and get accomplished. So I appreciate uh, the shout-out to our staff. Thank you for doing that. What goes into the uh, the process of that whole thing? Was that something that, you know, when you're when you're coming as a visitor, you see that, that maybe there's some problems with the game day atmosphere? Does it start as soon as you take the job? What goes into the process to where you looked at this and you said this needs to be addressed? Because even Nick Saban, Nick Saban the other day basically said that he wanted Alabama to do the first-come, first-serve thing as well. What What goes into that process? Well, you know, I had the uh, I had the understanding of coming to a lot of uh, uh, to Texas games, being at TCU. But even when I was at TCU, we were going to the Big Twelve. We hired Disney, and when we hired Disney, we didn't hire I hired we hired Disney for one for one way to talk about how you accentuate the experience. You know, when you think about Disney, it starts when that little child gets that ticket. Right. Right. When you get the ticket, how is your experience when you see that ticket? And then, and then it goes when you when you fly from here to uh, to Orlando and you get to the hotel and all the things that are happening around the hotel. And then when you drive to the to the park and you when you park your car, and then when you get into the gate, and then you're still sitting around for three hours to walk to to get on the Matterhorn, right? Right. But all that experience creates your appetite to come back. Did you have a great time? So we encompassed that thinking. At TCU, we said, okay, we're going to try to create a phenomenal game day experience that that family comes and spending their discretionary income for five, six, seven hours that they go outside of the game. They go, wow, that's fantastic. We want to come back next time. So when I was at, the university, when I was at TCU coming to Texas games, realizing that, you know what, there's so many things here that they're just missing. Right. From the in-game music to what they do around the same concession prices, lowering to creating a celebration of the university. And the ideas we had at TCU, there's no new ideas called R&D, rip off and duplicate. So when I looked at other places and 
when we go to every single venue, I usually spend three to four hours walking around, whether it be K-State, Oklahoma State, uh, um, uh, West Virginia, or wherever else we're going. I'll walk around their entire game day um, opportunity and say, what can we do? Can, what can we still make our own? Interesting. So all, the, all those things are what you see at the University of Texas happened because we took bits and pieces the last six, seven years, and I wrote them down. And when Drew, Drew Martin came with me from TCU, we said, okay, remember what K-State did on this? Remember Iowa State did this? Remember the in-game music for this? They, you know, we did all these things we liked, and we said, let's see what we can incorporate the University of Texas. And we laid it out, and the plan uh, uh, is completely different because it's all those great ideas on steroids. As you know, everything's bigger and greater at Texas it's just been phenomenal. What have been the challenges? Because, you know, at TCU, we I, I was a big fan of your work because you're always very outspoken. I mean, they went to the Big 12 uh, during your tenure, and before that they were uh, on the outside looking in. What are some of the biggest challenges? Because I think a lot of people automatically assume, well, he's going from TCU to Texas. That makes his job easier. But what are the bigger challenges uh, going from TCU to UT? Well, I, I remember the movie uh, um, Hoosiers. Yes, Remember that that team, the, the, the Hickory? They're winning at all these little small venues. And they finally get to Indianapolis. They walk in a, a, into the big, huge field house, and they're just in awe by the size and scope. And the guy goes, hey, Holly, get on his shoulders. And he gets on his shoulders. He still measures the rim. It's still 10-foot 10 10 foot rim. It's a 15-foot free throw. It's a 94-foot 90 court. It's still the same, except TCU had – 50,000 living alumni, University of Texas has 600,000. So it's just bigger. You're still educating young people. That's first and foremost. You're providing opportunity for young people to get an education. But the size and scope of the University of Texas is huge. And the challenge of the job is Daryl Royal used to have a saying, once the BBs are out of the box, it's hard to put them back in. And the challenge is asking every single person to help put those BBs back in the box one at a time. And if we do that, man, it's it's not a tsunami. It's a reckoning coming, and I feel like we're heading in that direction. You and Gary Patterson had a real uh, real close bond at TCU. What's what's Tom Herman been like? What was your perception going in, and how how has he been as far as all your visions and and you two coming together? I've known Tom since we we worked together at Rice along okay. with the baseball coach David Pierce. So to me, Tom is a younger version of Gary. Okay, you know he's about uh, he's about fifteen years younger than Gary, and they're both intense, and they both have they're driven to succeed in in, in football. They both love the game, uh, um, but they're both great for people. They're great teachers of the game, and that's why I, I think both of them have something that in, in common that they're great master teachers of the game of football. What do you uh you you are also very active on social media and it's an authentic interaction on social media because anyone can retweet and say stuff but it really does seem like you're actually talking to the fans. Uh why do you think that's so important? Well, because I'm asking young people and I'm asking donors, fans no matter the age to to spend their discretionary income on our product. I am I am I am here because of them. I I I I, re, I report to President Fembus but I work for everybody, and I truly mean that. When I was at TCU, I, 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 I worked for, I reported to President, uh, to Chancellor Boschini, but I worked for everybody. So I felt like if I'm asking anybody, whether it buys a T-shirt, a, a single ticket, a $10 million donor, to me, I'm asking doesn't all of them to spend their discretionary income with me, and they need to ha- hear from me. And I also need to hear from them. 
So I, I, I thought social media was a way for me to inter- interact with our fans, but more importantly, it gave me an opportunity to um, learn what our product was all about, and I took that Disney approach. I read a lot of things about Walt Disney and how he went about building his park and he, how he would get out and walk the parking lots and see people and talk and interact. And to me, I'm like, wow, you know, I do the same thing. I find myself before games walking throughout the stadium, go to every single parking lot, go, go to Bevo Boulevard, walk the suites, not only say hi, but also to interact with their fans and hear what we can do differently and better for them so I can have a repeat customer. Is it kind of strange, you know, at TCU, you, you, you obviously, you were there at the peak of the program. Is it strange when you go to from that job to this job uh, to where you're basically all engaged in, in Texas games and not TCU games? Is that, is, that a weird, is that a weird transition? Oh, without question. And it's just because it wouldn't, uh, and it would be disingenuous if I didn't tell you it was weird. Um, I loved my time at TCU, and it was wonderful. I loved the coaches there and the staff and the chancellor, and the community it was a great 10 years. They love um, you there too, man. But, they love you a lot out there. But, but intellectually, it was time for me to have a different challenge in my life, and I, and I, uh, I was looking at it as a, as a, is there one less, you know, yeah, we all have one rodeo, and there's that one aha moment, and I did everything I possibly could there, and I said I, there's one challenge left in life, and to come to the University of Tech is argu- arguably the greatest uh, um, athletic program or one of the most traditional athletic programs in the country, and, um, top one, two, or three, um, no matter how you slice it. Could you come and serve that nation to the best of your abilities? And it was a challenge that uh, I felt I needed, and um, I'm giving it uh, my very best. But playing against TCU there was definitely a strange moment, because of the relationships, how close I was to Gary, to our student athletes, um, to our fans and donors. Um, and, you know, it was a tough moment, but uh, that'll ease as, as, as we continue to uh, um, play each other. And it's just the first time is always going to be the most difficult. What's next for uh, Chris Del Conte? I, I mean, I don't want you to give away all your secrets, but what do you think is that you, you've already attacked the home field advantage, which we've touched on. What do you think, what's the next big project for you? Well, we've announced uh, about $190 million football building. We'll start construction this summer. It's massive for us. And then we'll do what I call uh, little projects. We have a $10 million baseball project that's going underway. We'll have a $10 million softball project start this summer, a $10 million project for our track and soccer stadium, and then a $10 million project for our um, swimming team. And on top of that, we're building the first-ever Texas Athletics Hall of Fame which I think is going to be the very best in the country. But we'll start that project uh, in Jan- this January. It's going to be a place for us to celebrate our great university, a 30,000-square-foot Hall of Fame. I am super excited about that. That sounds, that sounds great. Uh, do you, uh, how, do you, how do you spend the bye week? Do you get to relax a little bit more during football season? I know a lot of people say that players and coaches need the bye week. You, you don't get to relax at all, do you? No, no, because, you know, we had, we had two soccer games this weekend. We had a volleyball game this weekend. We had uh, a variety of other things that, that, that occupy my time outside of a football game. It's always good then to go spend time with our, with, our, with our women's soccer team, watch them go 2-0 and this weekend, watch our volleyball team as well, because football might be the economic engine, but those other, other sports accentuate our brand. And when you have top ten programs in both women's soccer and volleyball and accentuate Texas's brand, from coast to coast, it's always good to go watch them and spend time with them because uh, they work just as hard. They may not get the mu- as much credit as they do in football, but they're spectacular student-athletes. 
you haven't been in Austin that long. What are your go-to spots to eat? Where is Chris Del Conte going to going to eat when he goes out to eat in Austin? What are the go-tos? Well, it's it's tough because I have three kids in my household that are all vegetarians. Oh my so gosh! Yeah, exactly right. So I'm constantly sneaking a burger and a steak anytime I can. But uh, I go to Cisco's for breakfast because that's a place that Daryl Royal used to go to. I think that's absolutely fantastic nostalgia. But I really just ask people wherever they want to go, and I go with them. So I'm trying every type of food you could imagine uh, uh, in the city of Austin. Uh, when, when donors say, let's go to hit this spot or that spot. And my, Mac Brown and I, when he's in town, we hit all of his his his. Uh, his haunts as well. So I really don't have a go-to spot just yet, but with my, um, with my kids being, uh, uh, plant eaters. How did that happen? How did that happen? Did they watch a documentary or something? They did. Gosh dang it. You're right. They watched some crazy documentary in eighth grade. They go, dad, we're off. Oh my God. That's ridiculous. And I've, I've had a thousand people tell them they're, they're messing. And they just, I don't know what you're talking about. So yes, they watch a documentary and they're pretty much, uh, uh, we're now eating a, cauliflower and brussels sprouts on a nightly basis oh my gosh oh my gosh i'll I'll get you out on this uh chris and again thank you so much for joining me i'm I'm a a huge fan of your work uh you at tcu you were very outspoken about the old uh, bcs format do you like the 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 current format that they're playing under right now or would you like to see it expand you know i i i I think like anything else you gotta let you gotta let it have some time I think the playoff format has been fantastic for college football. It's preserved the bowl games. You put your best four teams at the end of the year, and they get to play with you. Have a little bit of intrigue in terms of who the four are going to be, uh, um, um, and you got really five spots uh, uh, for four for four for four spots. You know, five five uh, five uh, power five conferences for four spots, and then you have uh, uh, um, the group of five that also has an opportunity. So you start to look at it's been good for college. It's been good for the intrigue. Um, and you, they're preserving the bowl. So I think we're this is our third or fourth year. Uh, is it uh, fourth year? 13, 14, 16. Yeah, fifth this year. This will be our fourth year, right? I think our it, fifth year. Yes, sir. And, and it's start and it's starting to catch steam. And then you know, like anything else, everything will evolve. But I like where we're at right now. Okay, so you like where we're at right now, Chris. I, I can't thank you uh, enough, Mr. Del Conte. Thank you so much for joining me. Uh, huge fan of your work. You've made an immediate impact. Uh, there, there's no questioning that, and I look forward to seeing what else you have in store for the 40 Acres in the future. Well, come and when you come up to town, let me know. I'll be there at West Virginia. I've been, I've been at, I was at TCU and I was at uh, USC. Uh, I'll, de- I'll definitely be there for West Virginia, and I'm, I'm looking forward to that one as well. But got to get past Oklahoma State first. Yes, sir. We've got a good one this weekend, but I look forward to seeing you in two weeks. All right. Thank you very much, Mr. Del Conte. Uh, greatly appreciate it. Appreciate you. Talk soon. Bye-bye. That's the great Chris Del Conte hopping onto the 41 Acres, which you can subscribe to on iTunes if I haven't said that. And you should also tell your friends if I haven't said that either. Some guys are just built different. I've admired Chris Del Conte for a long time. Some guys were just made to be bosses. And I I think Chris Del Conte, just when you listen to him and you just see how innovative he is, how open-minded he is, the fact that this guy goes to opposing stadiums and walks around for for three hours and he talks about the Disney experience when it comes to game day, just everything that he's done 
has been incredible. And it's no coincidence that the marquee program, Alabama, the marquee program in college football, uh, their head coach, Nick Saban, is saying he wants to see Alabama do the things that Chris Del Conte is already doing at Texas. So when you get a compliment like that from the marquee program where they're paying their coach damn near $10 million, uh, that says a lot about you. But some guys were just made to be bosses. I think Chris Del Conte is one of those guys. And we appreciate him for hopping on the 41A. Before we give a prediction for Saturday's game against Oklahoma State, Texas, uh, again, a three-point favorite. Tom Herman, and, and I can't believe I did. I, I went through Texas college football playoff scenarios, but that that's just what it is. I gave you the two teams to root for and the two teams to root against. Tom Herman was asked if he looks at the rankings uh, after his team jumped up to six, and it's no surprise, but this is what Tom Herman had to say. Never. Zero. I mean, literally zero. Uh, it is completely and utterly inconsequential where we're ranked through seven games of the season. Um, the only thing that matters uh, is what hardware have we taken home and where are we ranked uh, at the end of the season. And so um, the only thing we talk about is that we've, we've earned everybody's best shot. Uh, so if we think we're going to get anything less uh, than everybody's best shot from here on, on out, we're we're kidding ourselves. And that's a cool challenge, one that we've earned and one that really good teams uh, always seem to get. And the elite teams find a way to give their best shot week in and week out. I'm starting to really admire Coach Herman at the podium. I'm the podium critic, if you didn't know that. I love to judge press conferences. I've been known to stay up late and just watch press conferences, post-game press conferences, and pre-game po- uh, conferences after. Uh, Bill O'Brien doesn't really like my questions when I ask him, but I love coaches that go up up there and they give you insight. I don't like coaches who act like they're the smartest guy in the room. I like guys that appear to be the smartest guy in the room. And, and, and Tom Herman kind of has that presence around him. Maybe it's because he's finally winning, but it just seems like, you know, a lot of times he gets snooty and a lot of times he gets a little bit arrogant, but it, it just seems like he, he has insight and he knows what he's talking about. And I'm, I'm a big fan of him at the podium. I'm, I'm a huge fan. He gets an A plus from the podium critics. So huge fan of him, huge fan of everybody for listening. Again, you can subscribe on iTunes. Derek Foreman is going to be back next week. He's going to react to the episode that'll drop the Sunday after the Oklahoma State game. Hopefully Texas is seven and one and we're, and we're previewing the West Virginia game. Uh, I know that that's what I hope. I know that's what everybody else hopes for, but. Before we get out of here, here's my prediction for the game on Saturday against Oklahoma State. I've already said this many times. We we started out the show talking about this. I think Keontae Ingram is going to be a pivotal piece of Texas moving forward. I think Keontae Ingram is going to take the Longhorns home with or without Sam Ellinger. I think this is Keontae Ingram's breakout game. I think this is where Keontae Ingram has 125, 150 yards, and Texas leans on the run game and the defense in a hostile Stillwater environment, Texas gets their second road win of the season. I'm going to give them the win, 31 to 24. Hard fought, but I think when you have a horse like Keontae Ingram, you ride him home. Tom Herman has basically said that's what they're going to do. I think that's what they're going to do, and I think next time you hear us on Sunday, 
me and Derek will be talking about a 7-1 and football team. Trying to get Brian Robinson on the show as well. My man Brian Robinson, my favorite Longhorn of all time. I'll get into why that is uh, when we have him on. But Brian Robinson is my favorite guy. So we'll have him on the show uh, sooner rather than later. Thanks to Chris Del Conte. Thanks to my man Rod Babers for hopping on. Thanks to all you for listening. Again, subscribe on iTunes to the 41 Acres podcast. Tell your friends. Spread the word. For Derek Foreman, for Chris Del Conte, and for Rod Babers and everybody else who's been a part of this, thank you very much. We'll talk to you for Episode 10 after Texas faces Oklahoma State. Let me rephrase that. After Texas beats Oklahoma State on Saturday, we'll talk about your 7-1 and one Longhorns. It's been fun. It's been a good one. Episode 9 of the 41 Acres has finally come to a conclusion. Hook them.